Now, with this menu, I want to talk about the the importance of the laying on of hands. And, you know, there's a high probability, if you've been in church, that maybe you've never even heard of, okay, laying on of what? Laying on of hands. What in the world does that mean? Well, let's go into it and notice how the crucial connection with the laying on of hands and receiving the Spirit of God is. In Acts uh, 8 and verse 14, it says, now when the apostles were at Jerusalem, heard that Samaria Samaria had received the word of God, they sent unto them Peter and John, who, when they were come down, prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Spirit. For as yet he, has, he was fallen upon none of them, only they were baptized in the name of the Lord. So here we have people who had accepted Christ as their personal Savior, had repented of their sins, and had actually gone down into the waters of baptism. But there was just one problem. They had not yet received the Spirit of God. Now, I submit to you that, that there are probably a lot of people who fit into that category, who have gone through the motion of baptism and accepting Christ as their personal Savior, but have not received the Spirit of God. Now, what is the issue here? Have you ever questioned whether you have the Spirit of God or not? Have you ever doubted that? Well, let's let's continue on, verse 17. Then laid their hands on them, and they received the Holy Spirit. Now, this is not an unimportant issue, unless you believe not having the Spirit of God is not important. In other words, what I'm saying is there is a way to receive the Spirit of God, and it involves several things. It involves repenting of your sins, knowing what is sin. 1 John 3, 4, sin is the breaking of God's law. Knowing what it was that you were doing that sent your Savior to die for you. In other words, knowing what sin is. Baptism, immersion into a watery grave. And then this third step is the laying on of hands for the receiving of the Spirit of God. Again, there is a way to receive the Spirit of God. And, of course, Romans 8 and verse 9 says, Now, if any man have not the Spirit of Christ, he is none of his. So, you know, what we're dealing with is, okay, what identifies a true Christian? Okay, all right, a true Christian is not a person who just goes to church, Going to church does not identify a true Christian. Having your name recognized as a member of a church, that doesn't make you a true Christian. A desire for God. You know, maybe you think, okay, I've been a God lover all of my life. I must have the Spirit of God. No, none of these things make you a Christian. What makes you a Christian is whether you have been impregnated by the gift of the Holy Spirit, whether you have come to that pivotal point in your life where you have the indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit. In other words, you can relate back to a moment in history where a minister laid his hands on you and asked God to give you the Holy Spirit. That is what makes you a Christian. That is, that you have the indwelling presence of the Spirit of God. If any man uh, doesn't have the Spirit, if any man have not the Spirit of Christ, he is none of his. There are no exceptions in this area. You know, having the not having it's it's sort of like a woman who would say, "I'm half pregnant," 
There is no such thing. You either are pregnant or you are not pregnant. You either have the Spirit of God or you do not have the Spirit of God. And there is a way to receive the Spirit of God. Now, I will say this, even going through the motion, ultimately it is God's decision because God knows the heart. In other words, when that pivotal point comes and you're standing there in the water and and a minister lays his hand on your head and asks God to give you a portion of his spirit, it is at that moment that God makes the decision to give it or not to give it. In other words, it all depends on, you know, God knows the heart is what I'm saying. Only God knows the heart. And what's important to understand is, for example, Acts 5 and verse 32 says, And we are his witnesses of these things, and so also is the Holy Spirit, whom God has given to them that obey him. You know, God does not give his spirit to every Tom, Dick, and Harry, to every religious fanatic out there. He gives his spirit to those people who have a heart of surrender, a heart that is willing to obey God. In other words, the willingness to obey God reveals the heart, is what I'm saying. Hebrews 5 and verse 9 says, and being speaking of Jesus, says, and being made perfect, he, Jesus, became the author of eternal salvation unto all them that obey him. Again, willingness to obey God reveals where your heart is at. Never forget this. Faith without works is dead. Love without obedience is also dead. Now, let's dig deeper into this subject of the laying on of hands. In Acts 19 and verse 4, it says, Then said Paul, John, verily, uh, then said Paul, John verily baptized with the baptism of repentance, saying unto the people that there should believe that they should believe on him who should come after him, that is, on Christ Jesus. And when they heard these things, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And when Paul had laid his hands upon them, the Holy Spirit came on them, and they spake with tongues and prophesied. Again, how important is this subject? Now, you may not realize this, but, you know, these are fundamental doctrines of the church of God. Hebrews 6 and verse 2 says, Of the doctrines of baptism, that's one doctrine, laying on of hands, that's another doctrine, the laying on of hands, and of the resurrection of the dead, and of eternal judgment. Notice, these are considered major doctrines of the church of God. The doctrine of baptism, what does it mean to be baptized? You know, it's not sprinkling, I can guarantee you that. You don't take a dead corpse and prop it upside the tree and throw some dirt on it. Uh, of laying on of hands, that's a doctrine of the church for the receiving of the Spirit of God. The resurrection of the dead, yeah, that's a doctrine, not heavenly retirement, but the resurrection of the dead. And of eternal judgment, that it's up to God when he decides a person will be judged or not judged. Ultimately, it's up to him. And all that depends on the calling of God and whether God is calling a person, whether they enter into judgment with God where they are being judged by God's standard of morality, the Ten Commandments. So these are doctrines of the New Testament church that Jesus built. Now I want to look at a review of the laying on of hands in many different areas. You may think that the Bible doesn't say much about the laying on of hands. Well, you would be wrong. It has a lot to say about this subject. 
And I'm going to go through these scriptures about each one of these categories. The first one is anointing the sick. James 5 and verse 14 says, Is any sick among you? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. Now, all of this about the anointing with oil, all of this involves the laying on of hands. I'll prove that in just a second. And the prayer of faith shall save the sick, and the Lord shall raise him up. And if he has committed sins, they shall be forgiven him. A powerful connection there with healing and the forgiveness of sin. You know, many times on Jesus' ministry, he would just say, thy sins be forgiven, and the person would be healed. So there is a connection there. And that's one of the things, you know, when I lay hands on a person for a healing, that's one of the things I mention, that God, you know, this person has been forgiven of their sins. Okay, Mark 5 and verse 23 says, And besought him greatly, saying, My little daughter lies at the point of death. I pray thee, come and lay thy hands on her, that she may be healed, and she shall live. You know, here is a guy who is desperate about his little daughter. And he says to Jesus, I want you to lay your hands on her, that she may be healed. Again, part of the anointing of the sick process here, the laying on of hands. Mark 16 and verse 18, They shall take up serpents. And if they have drank any deadly thing, it shall not hurt them. They shall, they shall lay hands on the sick, and they shall recover. Again, the Bible has a lot to say about this subject of laying on of hands. Luke 4 and verse 40. Now, when the sun was setting, all they that had any sick uh, with divers diseases brought them unto him, and he laid his hands on every one of them and healed them. Again, speaking of Jesus' ministry here and the healing of the sick, the anointing of the sick, and the critical importance of the laying on of hands. Another area this was used in ordination, acknowledging that a man was, you know, fit for the ministry or whatever. Acts 6 and verse 6 is, whom they sent before the apostles, and when they had prayed and laid their hands on them, Okay, this is in referring to the ordination of men. Also, it says in 1 Timothy 5 and verse 22, it tells us, it warns us here, it says, Lay hands suddenly on no man, neither be partakers of other men's sin. Keep yourself pure. In other words, it is a tricky thing that you don't want to lay hands on a man who is a novice. You know, he's he's not been... You know, you need time to see just what kind of person is this before you ordain a man into the ministry. So all of this is part of the ordination, laying on of hands. Uh, Another area is a conveyance of a blessing. Genesis 48 and verse 13. And Joseph took them both, Ephraim in his right hand toward Israel's left hand, and Manasseh Manasseh in in the left hand toward Israel's right hand, and brought them near unto him. And Israel stretched out his hand and laid it upon Ephraim's head, who was the younger, and his left hand upon Manasseh's head, guiding his hand wittingly, for Manasseh was the firstborn. Now here is an incredible conveyance of an incredible blessing upon Ephraim and Manasseh. And uh, if you know the identity of these two boys, Joseph's two boys, Ephraim is is Great Britain. Manasseh is the United States of America in biblical prophecy. That's another story, but it's uh, but if you look at the blessings that was bestowed upon these two son, these two boys, it is incredible. 
and it, it can only fit. It's an apt description of with Manasseh being America when you consider what kind of blessings that we're talking about. Another area in laying on of hands is the service of the Lord. Numbers 8 and verse 10, And thou shalt uh, bring the Levites before the Lord, and the children of Israel shall put their hands upon the Levites, and Aaron shall offer the Levites before the Lord for an offering of the children of Israel that they may execute the service of the Lord. Okay, so here are people who are going to be serving the Levites, serving God, and you lay hands on them for this special type of service. Deuteronomy 34 and uh, verse 9 it says, And Joshua the son of Nun was full of the spirit of wisdom, and Moses had laid his hands upon him, and the children of Israel hearkened unto him, and he did as the Lord commanded Moses. Now here's an acknowledgment of a person dedicated to the work or service of God through the laying on of hands. The last area you find this, laying on of hands, and this is a critical issue, is in the blessing of little children. In our church at the Feast of Tabernacles, we have this special, often, well, it doesn't have to be at the feast, but the blessing of little children, newborn children. Let's notice, pick up the story here of Jesus, Mark 10 and verse 13. And they brought young children to him, that he should touch them. And his disciples rebuked those that brought them. Look, we don't have time for these little children, basically what they were saying. But when Jesus saw it, he was much displeased and said unto them, Suffer the little children to come unto me, and forbid them not, for such is the kingdom of God. Verily I say unto you, Whosoever shall not receive the kingdom of God as a little child, he shall not enter therein. And he took them up in his arms, put his hands upon them, and blessed them. So what this special uh, service is for is that when you have a, a newborn child that's born into the world, that you know, as a parent, what do you want more than anything? You want that child to be protected, to be safeguarded, to have God's angels around this child, to guide and direct this child, hopefully into the calling of God. You know, that God would call that child later in life. You know, this is a prayer. It's a powerful prayer that involves the laying on of hands for protection, and it is critical, especially in this ungodly world. So as you see, the laying on of hands is, is very important. And I just wonder if we don't have all kinds of people who think they have the Spirit of God but have never followed the instruction book as far as how to receive the Spirit of God. What I want you to understand is this. There is a way, and that way is laid out in the Bible, how to receive the Spirit of God. 